Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, giving leaders the tools and information they need to grow and change their worlds. Now here's your host, Dale Dixon. Leadership Development. Welcome to the Complete Leader Podcast, everything you need to become a high-performing leader. I'm your host, Dale Dixon, on the podcast today with Ron Price, the author of The Complete Leader, many other books. Ron, great to be with you today. Thank you, Dale. It's great to be with you also. So for longtime listeners of the podcast, uh, we're going to go in a, in a slightly different direction uh, with the podcast, and we're going to align it closely with The Complete Leader the book. Now, if you have not read the book yet, that's perfectly fine. The podcast will continue to make sense. We're going to give you actionable tactics and strategies that you can use to improve and grow in your leadership and, and your influence. Uh, but if you have read the book, you will find that this podcast is very complementary to what you are seeing chapter after chapter in this great book. So anything you would add to that, Ron? No, Dale, but I would like to thank you for the great job that you've done. Uh, we're around our one-year anniversary of the podcast, and you've done a terrific job interviewing some great leaders. And I'm, I'm excited about what's going to happen over the next year here as we continue to uh, build a relationship with our listeners and talk about how they, in very practical ways, can continue their journey toward becoming the complete leader. Absolutely. Exciting times. And I love talking leadership, growing my own. Um, I know I have a long way to go. And, and it really starts with this idea of leadership development and being intentional around developing my leadership. So first of all, let's define it. What is it when we talk about well, leadership development? Yeah, well, to start off, uh, Dale, one of the questions that I get asked over and over and over again when I'm in front of audiences is, are leaders born or made? It's really surprising to me that after all these years and hundreds and thousands of books about leadership and all of the academic studies that this question still comes up, are leaders born or made? And I don't think that the audiences are uh, ignorant. I think, in fact, it's still a very interesting question. What part of becoming a good leader is just something that's innate, something that you just somehow got without working at it? And what part of it's intentional? What part of it did you work at? And I really believe that the answer to the question is both. I don't think that you can ignore either aspect of that, 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 that there are certain traits that we're born with. It's amazing, me, amazing to me watching my father, who's in his 90s, or watching my children and noticing the idiosyncrasies, the little expressions that we repeat over and over and over again. And I think, where did we get those from? And I don't really believe that it's just behavioral conditioning because of growing up in the same home. I, I really believe that it somehow goes back to the DNA. And yet there is a lot of influence that we have on the people around us in how we lead, or we are influenced a lot by the leaders that have played an important role in our life. So it's really an interesting uh, question, leaders born or made, it really is some combination of both. I think part of our challenge as leaders is to understand what we were given, in other words, what we were born with, and then to decide how are we going to further develop that? How are we going to intentionally build on top of the natural traits that we've been given to be the best version of a leader that we can be? And so, of course, that brings us to the question of, well, so how do you define what a leader is? Hmm. And I guess you would ask the question, first of all, the most, most obvious would be, is my supervisor a leader? 
And some of us would chuckle and some of us would say, oh, my supervisor's a great leader. And some of us would say, well, yeah, my supervisor's a leader, but not necessarily a good one. But we could also ask the question, is a teacher a leader? Is a parent a leader? Or if we want to expand a little bit further, we could say, is the engineer who had an impact on the car I drive a leader in some way? Or we could even ask the question, and I know the answer for my family, is a child a leader? And asking those questions get us to think at a little deeper level about what a leader actually is. One of the great writers about leadership, Peter Drucker, who's passed away, but he left a tremendous uh, repository of thinking around leadership, defined a leader years ago as somebody who has followers. And of course, you sort of chuckle. Randy List, the co-author of the book, has another book called Bumper Sticker Leadership, in which he says, if you think you're a leader and look back and nobody's following, you're just out for a walk. So yes, a leader is somebody who has followers. But for me, the question then becomes, why do they follow the leader? What What is it that makes a follower want to follow a leader? And I think it's some kind of influence that that leader has. So I, I really like to expand that definition of what a leader is a little bit further and say that a leader is somebody who influences others. And if we're willing to take on that definition of a leader, then yes, a child could be a leader. I can tell you many times that uh, all of our six children have influenced me by something they said or by something they did. And when we use that definition of leadership, it's very clear that every one of us has the opportunity to be a leader. Lead from any level, anywhere. Ab absolutely. Up, down, across, any way you think of it. Even, we even have a lot of people who influence us who we never meet. And to the extent that their words or their, their life example or what their purpose is influences us, to that extent, even though they don't know it, they're leading us. And after over 45 years of being involved in opportunities to serve others through leadership, I've come to the conclusion that our greatest influence as a leader quite often is something that we're not even aware of. Oh, and that's, that's powerful in and of itself. So if leadership is about having followers and influence, how do, how do we start the development process? Well, there's an interesting study that was done years ago by the Center for Creative Leadership, and, and they came away with this study summarizing it by saying it's the 70-20-10 approach to leadership. And there's been some pushback. Not everybody agrees. And I think when you come up with a simple formula about how you develop leaders, that it's probably never completely accurate. But it may be helpful for us to think about what their study revealed. Their study revealed that 70% of leadership development happens through on-the-job experiences. It happens when you're thrown a problem or where you're given an assignment or you're working on a particular project. And what you learn by creating results, they say it's where 70% of your skills or your capacity as a leader gets developed. The 20 in their formula is what you learn from others. So it's learning from mentors or coaches. It may be by observing the way they do things and saying, I'm going to be that way as a leader. Or it may be from observing somebody who's leading in a way that you consider to be inappropriate. And you say, I'm not going to be that way as a leader. I have to confess that probably uh, I've learned more things from leaders that I don't want to emulate 
than I have from leaders that I do. But of course, it's a combination of both. And then in their study, they said 10% of development as a leader comes from classroom or formal learning, where it's intentional, it's structured, you're sitting and listening to somebody lecture. So it's really a fascinating study to say that most of our leadership development or growth comes from on the job and from people who mentor or coach us or who we observe. And yet we spend by far most of our money in leadership development. I think in the United States, it's running about $14 billion a year being spent on leadership development right now that is overwhelmingly focused on the classroom. So, wow, that's really interesting. Now, again, I think that this is probably generally true. It's probably not perfectly or literally true in every situation because we all have different ways that we learn. So for me, I probably learn the most and reflect the most on leadership through reading. But I know other people, one of our uh, facilitators, one of our senior facilitators in the Complete Leader Program is Whit Mitchell, and he's done a great job of identifying his own learning style. He learns most by getting out and doing experiential things. And so he runs people through a lot of games in uh, developing their leadership skills. He sets up scenarios and problems, and it's sort of a laboratory of experimentation that he sets up. And a lot of people really resonate with that style of learning. So even though I think their study is really insightful, it's probably something that we only look at at a conceptual level, not a literal level, because we're all a little bit different in the way that we develop our leadership capacities. So I'm thinking about what you said regarding Whit Mitchell's approach, and and I've experienced some of that as well. And do we see that 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 can be effective because it more closely mirrors and on the job we're putting people engaging people into an activity, just as people are engaged in an activity at the workplace, we're engaging them in an activity with a specific intent and purpose to learn. But uh, what are what are some of those things that really make a leadership development program effective? Well, first of all, I agree with you that that does help us. But I'm I'm always mindful in helping people develop their leadership capacities that we have some combination of three learning styles, uh, the things that really help something stick with us and become a part of us. One of them is auditory, and of course, that's often demonstrated through somebody who's lecturing or a a team presentation or something like that where we're listening. Another is visual. That's where we're watching. And so one of the things that we do in our leadership development programs is make sure that people get to see us demonstrating the aspects of leadership that we're wanting to help them develop and grow. And the third is what we call kinesthetic. That's where you actually do it. That is the lab. That's where we do the experience, the experiences where you're actually working with something. So I think that we have to combine all three. I don't, I think the one of the mistakes I saw early in my uh, quest for leadership development was that I would go to these events that were all one. They might've been all kinesthetic or all auditory or all, and, and they just weren't as impactful as when we get the right blend of all three. So what makes these programs effective? I think, first of all, you have to recognize that. But there are four other ideas that I'd like to share with our listeners that we have learned through working with leaders in uh, several countries around the world. The first is that an effective leadership development program needs to have very clear objectives that are specific and narrow enough to create focus so one of the big mistakes is trying to give somebody the whole 
program, the whole curriculum around leadership and not focusing in on what part of that is going to be most relevant. So I think of it as a laser beam instead of a spotlight. They're both light. They both illuminate, but one is much more powerful. The laser has the ability to actually cut through the noise and get to the core of something. So we think of very, very clear objectives or purposes for a leadership development program. I guess one of the things you would automatically ask is, well, how do you do that? Because typically our leadership programs have 12, 15, 20 people in them. They're probably all going to have specific objectives. So, well, it's one of the challenges is we have to have a program that engages the whole group. We call them a cohort but yet has very specific objectives for each individual in the group. And in order to get there, we think of two customers for every participant in a program. The first customer is the participant who's in the program. What exactly do they want to get out of the program? And how can we help them develop that laser-like focus in what their objective for being in the program is? And then the second customer is their sponsor. A lot of times, most times, it's a company or it's a, a leader in their company that has decided to put them into one of our programs. And it's very important for us to understand why. It's important for us to understand what that leader is expecting their participant to get out of the program. So this is how we get to the number one reason or way that we make sure the program is successful, is we want to have very, very clear objectives that are narrow to each individual participant. Number two we really pra emphasize practicing and application. And yes, we, we were already talking about the idea that we want to have uh, experiential or kinesthetic learning as a part of the program. But this goes beyond that. It's about how do we connect what we're working on inside the program to the real issues that they're facing in their work today. So uh, one of the things that we do is we have individual coaches for everybody in our programs. And we ask them, call us when you're in the middle of a mess at work. Don't wait until a scheduled call or don't wait until the next time that the cohort meets together. Call us when you're in the middle of something because that's the greatest learning opportunity that we have. So emphasize practice and application. The third thing that makes development programs successful is that you really can't shy away from deeper reflection so that you really get to the root of what's going on instead of just looking at the symptoms. What I mean by this is that most effective leadership development is going to require some kind of a change in your behaviors as a leader. You're going to have to think differently, then you're going to have to talk differently, then you're going to behave differently. And to get there, a lot of times you've got to go deep into asking yourself, why do I do things the way I do? Why do I lose my temper? Why am I afraid of conflict? Whatever those things are, you've got to be willing to go deeper and do some personal work if you're going to really create the behaviors that make you more successful as a leader. And then the fourth reason, where the fourth thing that I think we do to make leadership development programs more effective is that you've got to look for ways to measure results. You can't just have a good feeling about going through this program. And you really have to look at how we're going to measure tangible observable results that have value. Now, it's not that I don't believe that they're intangible results as well, because there are a lot of results that come from an effective leadership development program that you may not be able to measure in a practical way, but it's the tangible results that get the respect. So it's clear objectives, focus on what you're really doing at work as your laboratory for development. Don't shy away from going deeper and asking yourself why 
do I do it the way I do? And why would I want to do it differently? And how am I going to do that? And then look for practical, measurable results. You do those four things, you're going to be successful with a leadership development program. So with that said, that's the uh, the overall strategy, so to speak. What's what's an individual to do to develop as a leader if they're, if they're using those four areas as the driver? Yeah, great, great question. So I'm going to give you four things that I think uh, any listener can do right now to begin to develop more as a leader. Keeping in mind, this is developing versus being born, but we think if you can develop with an awareness of the natural traits you were given, you're going to accelerate your leadership influence. So number one is know yourself. This is really, I think, the beginning of all effective leadership. And the challenge with know yourself is that you're never done. Uh, I've been involved in pursuing and understanding leadership, as I said, for over 45 years. And some days I feel like I'm still a novice in understanding who I am. And that's not because of lack of effort. It's not because of lack of resources. It's because every human being has their own unique operating system. And getting to know yourself is a lifelong quest. Warren Bennis, he was a famous author who wrote a book decades ago called On Becoming a Leader. He said it as well as anybody uh, that I've ever read. He said, to become a leader, you must become yourself, become the maker of your life. This is that combination of, of being born and making yourself as a leader. He said, knowing yourself is the most difficult task that any of us faces. So, okay, how do you do it? How do you, how do you go about that? Well, there are a lot of ways that you develop more self-awareness. Could be through journaling. It could be by asking other people to give you feedback. One of the things that we do a lot of helping leaders to know themselves is we use tested, validated, scientifically based instruments or assessments. They're online questionnaires that you complete that generate a, a report that help you to understand more about your natural patterns we would say your natural talent. So we look at your natural tendencies of how you behave and what motivates you and how you process things, how you think about things. And then we use assessments that help you understand your current level of mastery of skills. And if any of our listeners want to use any of those things, just contact us and we'll help you get connected with how you can develop a more in-depth awareness of who you are and what your potential is in the future. So number one is know yourself. Number two is identify two or three associated or related leadership skills that are going to make a big difference for you and your leadership experience right now, and then go deep into those skills. Don't try to master it all. Focus on just a few things and do use that laser focus so that you really get that deep into your subconscious mind. One of the great ways you can do this is by using the book, The Complete Leader, that has uh, a chapter on every one of 25 leadership skills we've identified as being important for success, but in varying degrees based on what you're focused on right now. And when you get the complete leader, you also then uh, get a, access to the completeleader.org, the complete leader community. In the back of the book, there's a special URL or password so that you can become a member of the Complete Leader community. And when you go to the completeleader.org, not only do you have a brief summary of the chapter around those skills that you're focused on, but we have videos and we, we connect or tag the podcasts that you've recorded for us. And we have blogs and articles and we have a coaching guide for every one of those 25 skills. So the two or three that you've picked on, go deep and really spend time on them. When 
people ask me, what are wet? What are you by going deep? I think spend three months on one skill every day thinking about how you can grow that skill, what kind of behavior, what kind of new knowledge, what kind of help from others, mentoring, and really zero in on that one skill and you're going to grab hold of it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get into you and become a part of you instead of something that you're excited about for a few days and then you go back to the way you always were before. Number two, focus your efforts. Number three, Learn to ask why and what over and over again. Things like, why do I shy away from conflict as a leader? What is it that makes me fearful? Why am I afraid of taking the professional risks to be different in the way I lead? Or why do I lose control of my emotions? So you ask that question why over and over and over again to get deeper into understanding the root cause of your current leadership behavior, either good or bad. So you could ask, you know, why is it solving problems so easy for me? Or um, why is it that I lose control of my emotions? Or why is it that I seem to be able to control my emotions in situations that other people can't? And then you begin to ask what? What new skill, if I focused and practiced and mastered it, would make a huge difference in my effectiveness? Or what's the one behavior that my boss wants me to demonstrate consistently? Or what's the one behavior that my subordinates would ask me to master if they could speak honestly and without fear? So the more you ask these why and what questions, the deeper you're going to go into self-reflection. And you're going to begin to change as a leader just as a function of those reflections that you're going through. And then the fourth practical step that I would suggest is ask yourself, how do I measure the results of becoming a better leader? You know, what, what, direct, what direct lines of sight can I measure? So can I create some kind of a financial metric? Or can I measure specific goals that are set and achieved, specific actions that are taken? Or is there some way that I can measure the growth of relationships? And of course there is. There are tools like 360 surveys and things like that that you can use. And then what will others be able to observe and confirm where there's a clear measurement? So behaviors. Will others be able to notice that I'm listening better and I'm not interrupting them as much? Will others notice that I ask for their ideas and opinions or that I work on becoming a more effective delegator? Will there be behaviors that others will be able to observe? Are there certain disciplines that other people will observe that I have developed that I didn't have before? Habits that I've developed that I didn't have before? Or will people be able to observe that the conversations we have have changed, that I'm less combative or that I'm more candid so ask yourself, how specifically can I measure the results of becoming a better leader? So again, those four things, know yourself, go deep. Two, identify very specific skills that you're going to work on. Three, learn to ask why and what over and over and over again. And four, develop measurements so that you can see your progress as you go. If you do those four things, I have no doubt that you're going to be accelerating your experience of becoming a complete leader. Ron Price, co-author of The Complete Leader, along with Randy Lisk. Uh, thank you so much. We, uh, we're going to have a number of conversations about growing our leadership skills and uh, becoming a more complete leader. We're looking forward to those. Any final words for us, Ron? Well, I, I want to encourage all of our listeners that you are a leader probably beyond what you understand right now. Other people are watching you. Now, the extent to which you're a good leader or a bad leader is in large part 
based on the extent to which you understand the potential for influence that you have and you are stewarding and developing and growing that influence. So go change the world. Thank you. This is the Complete Leader Podcast. Everything you need to become a high-performing leader. Thanks for listening to the Complete Leader Podcast. Find more online, thecompleteleader.org. 